0: We're only gonna do one chapter this week. We're not gonna do the blitz that we did last week. We are in 1 Corinthians 8. And 8 and 9 are all about money. So get ready. We're gonna talk about money. You know we're not gonna talk about money. We're gonna talk about Jesus a lot more than money. Uh, so Paul has written this letter. And it's been sent, we find out in this letter that Titus is the one that delivered the letter. We should, we should do the book of Titus sometime. Maybe we'll do it right in the middle. I don't know. We'll see. And Paul has been writing all this stuff about how people talk bad about him, and here's why you can't talk bad about him, and here's why his message is valid, and here's why you can listen to him. And now he's, he's kind of putting all that aside, and he's kind of getting to the real point of the letter. And the real reason why he sent Titus and the real reason why he wrote this. And he says, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. So this is a news report. Here's how the churches in Macedonia are doing. Hey, Corinth, did you know about this? In a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. They gave, they gave money, according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord. So, what in the world? Macedonian people are given all this money. Well, Paul, remember in Acts, one of his missionary journeys was not just a missionary journey, but the church in Jerusalem had a famine. And there were people starving and having all kinds of difficulty. They were getting excluded by the Jewish leaders. So it was, it was, there's was multiple reasons. There was just a shortage of food in Jerusalem. That this is, uh, there's history about this. Hitting Jerusalem with a famine. And then whenever there's a famine, just like we have right now, remember when gas prices were $4, who suffers the most in all of that is the poorest of the people. And a lot of the poorest of the people were Christians, because if you were in a Jewish city and somebody found out that you weren't following the law of Moses anymore, and you had turned your back on Judaism, you had turned your back on Moses in the temple, and now you were following this this dude that said he was the son of God, well, that's heresy and that's idolatry and that's blasphemy, so I'm not going to give you my business And so now even the Christians that had money are getting poorer and poorer and poorer. Um, I read one guy that said that the famine in Jerusalem was because everybody was doing what Jesus said and giving away what they had and sharing it together. And that's hogwash and a bunch of baloney. They weren't getting poor because they were sharing what they had. They were poor because everyone was poor. At this at this time. So Paul is collecting and he went to Macedonia and the Macedonians, even though they were being afflicted the same way they were being persecuted. The Jewish people were not liking the people who had become Christian. They gave money to support the church in Jerusalem. Even though their their future was really uncertain in Macedonia, you know, they didn't know. We might all get wiped out. We might all get persecuted to death. They gave and they sent money to Jerusalem to take care of them. Sometimes beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly. The Macedonian church begged Paul earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. How do you like that? The Macedonian church said, please, will you please let us Provide for your needs. Will you please let us take care of you some and and give you some money to to support yourselves? They gave this not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urged Titus as he had started so he should complete among you this act of grace as you excel in everything. So now he's saying to the Corinthians, You guys are so good at everything. Okay, hold on. Did any of you guys read 1 Corinthians? Like they were terrible. (laughs) They were doing terrible things in their church. They were fighting over communion. They were getting drunk on communion wine, which would take a lot of those little cups to get drunk. They were terrible. And Paul says you excel in everything. In faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness. You excel in our love for you. We love you guys so much. Please also see that you excel in this act of grace. So he's saying, Corinthian church, you guys are so good at so many things that you do. You guys are are prophesying, you're speaking in tongues, you're growing. Also excel in the arena of taking care of others, even if they're in the church in Jerusalem. Isn't that awesome? Awesome. I say this not as a command. Now, this is where it gets really awesome. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love is also genuine. You know the grace... So, he says, I want to prove to Jerusalem that your faith in Jesus is genuine. Do you remember how Paul went all over the place and then he came back to Jerusalem? And he told all these stories of how the Holy Spirit had moved and all these people got saved. And the church in Jerusalem was like, "Ah, I don't know. I mean, I think they all need to follow the law of Moses, get circumcised, have ceremonial washings and not eat bacon. And the church in Jerusalem had all these rules. Paul is saying, I want to show the church in Jerusalem that you believe in Jesus, the Messiah, and you are following him. And and that you're Gentiles. And one way I can do that is if I show up with a whole bunch of money that you donated to them to care for them, they won't be able to talk against you. They'll be like, well, uh, they, they aren't really Christians because they aren't. Well, here's all the money that they freely give to you because they care for you and they love you. They're following Jesus's command to love their neighbors as themselves. So Paul wants to use that to convince the church in Jerusalem that they have faith. So he doesn't say it's a command. I just want to use it to prove. Then he goes on, verse 9. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Jesus Christ was seated in the heavenly places and then one Christmas he came to earth. This is, this is establishing Jesus was already existing. He, he has existed from eternity past. He was never created. Jesus always was. and there he was with the Father. By him, what do we in, in uh, John chapter 1, by him all things were made. Jesus made everything. And from his state of perfection with the Father, creating all things, he became born as a baby, probably in the six or seven pound range, probably helpless. I say probably as a joke, right? Jesus came, made himself utterly poor as a man, utterly helpless as a man, And lived among us so that he could be the perfect sacrifice for our sins. And so Paul says, don't look at how poor Jerusalem is and how you need to care for them. Don't look at your pocketbook and look at how rich you are and how much extra money you had to give away that you don't really need. Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus and the life that he lived. How many times could Jesus have just been like, this is stupid? And snapped his fingers and wiped everybody out and started creation all over again. He could have done it a thousand times, right? But he didn't. He became just a weak, poor man. He had to do manual labor. He wasn't born in a castle where he could be an aristocrat. He wasn't born um, in like the best place in the world. He was born in Bethlehem, which is like just rough, uh, a rough place to be born. He was born in a manger where shepherds can come and see him and and greet him freely. There weren't guards. There there wasn't security checkposts or anything. He did that so that we could sit on his seat. Ephesians 2 says he did all this, and he in us, we are seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We never had a chance to sit next to God. We never had a chance, but God sends Jesus. Jesus becomes a man, lives a perfect life to give us a chance to go sit on his chair, to be with him, to be in him, and to sit there. So it's such an understatement to say Jesus became poor so that we could become rich, right? He was the creator. The, I love these telescopes that are taking new pictures of the galaxy. And it's like, this just shows how much, even more big God's creation is. How more vast what he can create is. He did all that to get born in Bethlehem, get raised in Galilee. Both uh, cities that were not respected. They were not honored. You know, this is like Farmersburg, Illinois kind of stuff. Like, whatever. Where is this town? We don't even know where it is. Population 67 kind of thing. He became poor. So that's verse 10. In this matter, I give my judgment. This benefits you, who a year ago not only started to do this work, but you also desired to do it. So he's remembering Remember a year ago when you guys were really seeking after the Lord and you're really caring for one another and you were loving one another. You were seeking the teachings of Jesus who said, love your neighbor as yourself. Keep that momentum. Keep going. You desire to do it. It benefits you finish doing it so that your readiness and desiring may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. This is this is all kind of a funny little housework thing. If the readiness is there, it's acceptable according to what a person has, not to what he doesn't. He's saying, don't feel burdened. Don't feel burdened for Jerusalem. Just love them. Don't say, oh, I just wish I had more to give them. Misery, misery, dirt on my head, ashes. No. If you've got something and you want to give it and you, out of your love for Jesus, then give it. But don't. Don't turn it into a judgment. Don't turn it into a commandment. Don't turn it into a law. According to what a person has. I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened. Oh, man. But that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need so that their abundance may supply your need and that there may be fairness. Fairness. As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. All right, so this is perfect timing to talk about this, right? This is so political. This is so politically charged, you guys. This is like ah, tense. We're all going to be punching each other and like painting pews red and blue and having a fight. No, we're not. I mean, we could, but I don't want us to. Listen to these words. I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened. I don't want you, Paul is saying, I don't want you to take on this huge burden on yourself just so the people in Jerusalem can live an easy life. So here we are in the United States where a whole bunch of these rules have been institutionalized and made into laws And they're kind of done by the government, whether we have the will to do it or not, right? So we pay taxes, and then somebody decides how those taxes are going to get paid, and all of a sudden they decide we're going to pay off a whole bunch of student loan debt. And there's all this hatred and cursing going on by all these people on Facebook last week, and and anger, anger, I got called names because I'm a socialist, That's what they said. I was a Bolshevik socialist. That's what I got called. I'm reading this that says, out of your abundance, the present time you should supply for their needs. And the hard part is, Paul is saying you should do this by the way the Holy Spirit moves in you. Right? Like the person who heard that I had a debt to pay on a thing And they were like, Dan, I want to help relieve you of that debt. And they gave me some money. And I was like, wow, I can't believe you're doing this. And I paid this debt. Versus the government saying, we're going to do this with all the money that we taxed you for. (laughs) Right? There's a difference. (laughs) Because that's what people didn't agree with. And that's why everybody got mad. I don't want to talk about the government. They're a little bit out of our control. They're kind of going to do what they're going to do. Let's talk about us. He says, I don't want others to be eased and you burdened. When I mow grass in my neighborhood, I used to be so bitter when I would see an African-American guy walking down the street on a Saturday who I knew he had to mow his grass and it was not mowed. Right. And I'm mowing my grass and I'm like, I'm mowing my grass. Why doesn't he mow his grass? And I did some research and I talked to some people and I found out that in my 40 hour work week, I make as much money as it takes him to make in a 120 hour work week. So if he has to work 120 hours a week to make what I make in 40, that means for us to be equal, I have an extra 80 hours a week that I can do whatever I want. And then I wanted to mow his grass. Because if that poor guy has to mow, if he has to work for 120 hours a week to get financially where I am in 40 hours a week, maybe I can share some of my time with him to ease his burden. That's out of love. That's out of love and following Jesus, right? Now, if Uncle Sam showed up at my door and said, you have to mow all these guys' yard because they have to work too much, I would be really angry. Like I said, I don't want to talk about government things. Of course we're going to get angry about that. But out of ourselves, if we see somebody else struggling, if we see somebody else doing their thing and we can relieve their struggle some, and we love Jesus, let's try to relieve their struggle, right? Let's try to, out of out of our genuineness and our love... Out of our abundance at the present time, we could supply their needs so in their abundance, they might supply our need and that there may be fairness. I would go, my my grandma, she lived on Maryland Street and she couldn't get out of her house. And so every Tuesday, this is back when I was a freelancer and I had my own schedule. Every Tuesday morning, I would show up with a um, egg and bacon Biscuit from McDonald's with a folded egg and crispy bacon. That was my grandma's need. She could not make it down the hill from Maryland Street down to McDonald's anymore. She couldn't make that. But she needed interaction with her grandkids. She needed this yummy uh, bacon egg with a folded egg and crispy bacon sandwich. And I was providing her with that need. And it didn't mean anything to me. It was two bucks, no big deal. It was a great time with my grandma. It cost me very little. But I was giving it to her. And I was giving her two. I was trying to be billable at $150 an hour. And I would give my grandma two hours of my week. And I wouldn't bill her. Don't worry. What I got back from that, her abundance that she gave me, was she said, I pray for you every day. I don't know which day is which, and I don't know which day is Tuesday and which day you're coming, so I just pray for you every single day. And then all of a sudden, one day you show up. I showed up every Tuesday. Your abundance at the present time, I had an abundance of time, I had an abundance of money to buy little egg biscuit with folded egg and crispy bacon, and I supplied it to her and her need, my need that she supplied to me was I was the only grandkid that got to hear all the stories. I, was the only grand, I wasn't the only grandkid that got prayed for every day, but I sure had a lion's share of the prayer time, right? Because I showed up with the biscuit. That's a stupid example, but I use that stupid simple example to illustrate how the church works. Because that guy that gave me some money to pay off a debt, do you know I still think about him all the time? Actually, when we say here, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, every time we pray that in here, I remember that debt that got paid. Wow. So to think if something out of your abundance, your abundance at the present time should supply their need so that their abundance may supply your need and there will be fairness. Then all of a sudden he quotes Exodus. Whoever gathered much had nothing left over and whoever gathered little had no lack. They're talking about when they gathered manna. When they collected manna every morning, some people would go out and just grab up all the manna they could. Oh, oh, get it, 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 get it. And they would make bread with it. Some people would just grab a little. Why in the world, if you had infinite food showing up every morning in your front yard, let's just say, every morning you wake up and a whole Red Robin catering box is sitting on your porch. Oh, it's so good, you guys. Why would you go grab any more than you needed? I mean, something must be wrong with you. It's, it's a lack of faith, right? It's a lack of trust, So the people grabbing a whole bunch are actually not the spiritually strongest folks. And then the people that walk out every morning and there's the red robin box and you know what? I can seriously only eat four cheeseburgers a day. Okay, maybe three. And I take three. I have just enough. I'm just taking enough. The way God wanted to train Israel as they were going through the wilderness was that you should all none of there shouldn't be any rich people among you? He, it says that. There shouldn't be any rich people among you. You should all be taking care of each other. If you've got too much, share with somebody else to help them out. Because what happens? Everybody becomes rich. <laughs> in, that, in that way, in that system of everybody looking after each other, if nobody is trying to hoard and get the most, but we're all looking after one another and caring for one another. We actually all become a lot richer. Wow. So he says, do that. Some of you in Corinth, you know you've got more money than you know what to do with. I had a friend one time and we started a summer camp and the kids didn't have food. And Cindy calls me and she's like, we're having a summer camp. All the kids are showing up hungry. We need to feed them before we can do anything in camp because they can't pay attention because they don't even have any food. And I was like, it would take years' wages to buy food for all these people, right? Who's said that before? I was like, hold on a minute. Let me, ask, let me ask this guy if he'll give us some money. And I'm at work. And I go down the hall, and I see this guy, and I'm like, hey, I have a totally off-the-wall question. And I just know that I can ask you an off-the-wall question like this, and it has nothing to do with work. And he's like, come to my office. So we go and close the door. I said, we're doing summer camp. All these kids showed up for summer camp. They're all hungry, and we need food, and I want to know if you'll give me any money to buy them food. And I knew this guy, and he knew me, and we, we we can talk like this. And he gets out his wallet, and he says, I'm gonna give you all the money in my wallet right now. And he gets it out, and he lays down a couple hundred bucks, and he says, it's a shame you're not a 501c3, because I could give you a whole lot more. I said, we are a 501c3 he's like, give me that money. And he pulled his money back from his wallet. And he turns to his computer and he's like, is it okay if it takes two days for the check to go through? And I'm like, yes, that's okay. Because camp is two weeks. We can do this. He gave us like $1,000. Just right there at that. That guy had an abundance that was floating around in his head and he was ready to give it to somebody in need. Are any of those kids at summer camp ever going to see this guy face-to-face? Do they even know who he is? No way. Does every summer when summer camp comes, do I remember that first summer camp we had in Evansville and how generous that guy was and how he did that? Yes. And I actually haven't asked him since because now we plan ahead and we do fundraisers and all that stuff. (laughs) Wow. His abundance supplied for their need he was ready to do it i can tell you more stories but i don't want to wear you out listen to this verse 16 but thanks be to god who put in the heart of titus the same earnest care i have for you titus this guy this disciple of paul's he not only accepted our appeal but being himself very earnest he is going to you out of his own accord With him we are sending the brother who is famous among all the churches for his preaching of the gospel. Not only that, he has been appointed by the churches to travel with us as we carry out this act of grace that is being ministered to us. And he goes on, what's really funny, do you remember Paul has spent this whole letter talking about how he doesn't need a letter from anybody to show his credentials. You yourselves are our letter, written on your hearts. You remember how much you love us. We don't need a letter showing anything or proving anything. And then halfway through 2 Corinthians 8, it becomes one of those letters (laughs) that Paul's been saying that he doesn't need. Now he is writing this letter for Titus. Look, accept him, welcome him, give him everything we need. Do what's honorable. We're sending all of our brothers. We've tested all of these guys that are with him. They're more earnest than ever. They have great confidence in you. They are my partner, verse 23. As for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker for your benefit. As for our brothers, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. He is saying all this endorsement of all these guys that are coming, you can trust their teaching, you can listen to them. And if you're moved to give them money to take care of Jerusalem, do that too. So give proof before the churches of your love and of our boasting about you to these men. So he's also saying, some of you in Corinth know about some great churches. I want to hear about them. I want to be encouraged because I went all over the region, all around Corinth and Galatia and the whole thing. And you've heard how they're doing. Tell them the news so that when they come back, I'll hear about this. So he's not done. We're not going to talk about this week. But just think about this world where the church is growing. They don't have a Bible. They have the Old Testament. Some of them might have known the Old Testament, but it was never taught to them in a way that to say it was pointing to Jesus. And now all of a sudden, Paul is sending these guys to preach about Jesus to all these towns and to communicate with each other and to help each other and to care for each other. And they're doing it. Remember in Acts when uh, Priscilla and Aquila fled from Rome because the Romans were persecuting all the Christians and all the Jews in Rome and they fled and that was how they met Paul? These are all people that are not, they don't have the problem we have of living in a supposed Christian um, country where the government tells us to do these things that might sort of be Christian but might not These folks are underground. These folks are living in the face of persecution and hardship. Every city they live in, everywhere they go. Numerous families have turned their backs on them because they grew up Jewish. And now these people are following this guy, Jesus. And in the midst of all of that, what are they doing? They are loving their neighbors They're making room in their hearts to care for one another and to minister to one another. They're giving generously out of their abundance of their wealth and out of their their riches. And some of them not out of the abundance of their riches. Some of them are just choosing to live poorer so that other people can live. Maybe live period. So it's just a really awesome thing. And I think, I think there's a lot of parallels that you'll find this week. There's a lot of things that you'll see in your own life. Um, there's a lot of ways that you might meet somebody or you might be one of these people. That if somebody helped you out a little bit, all of a sudden it would help you benefit a whole bunch. Or there might be somebody you know that you'll run into that, gosh, if I just help this guy a little bit, it would really help him a lot. There's a guy um, that I know from when I worked at the rescue mission and he has uh, mental illness, and I know I know his whole history. I know his whole medical history. I know all about him, and he is really hopeless to ever keep a job or to ever follow the rules of the rescue. He'll never be able to stay at the rescue mission. He's on a lifetime ban because some stuff that he had trouble, and and he he needs help, and he'll probably never be able to get it. So I was talking to Cindy and. One day, I started seeing him like every day, all week, just because of his path and his route. And I was like, every time I see him, I want to give him $10. I just, do we, do we have $10, like probably totaling 20 bucks a week? Because I don't see him that often, but I, I do see him days. Can I just give that to him freely? And she was like, yes, we've got, you can do that. And this guy, he's, he's messed up. Okay. But. I watch him eat out of trash cans. And when I give him the 10 bucks, he doesn't go buy booze with it. He goes into Jimmy John's and all the Jimmy John's people are like, whoa, you smell bad. Um, Cause he does. I've seen him at Walmart and he's not buying booze at Walmart. He's buying food and he's buying Capri Sun, just worthless food. But he's still buying, you know, not, not totally disrespectful stuff. I use that example just as one is there are some people that are, are hopeless as far as their their poverty condition. But we can still help them. We can still help them not to help them. What's the verse? What's it say? They shouldn't be eased and you burdened. But ten bucks a week to this guy is not going to burden me. It's not going I'm not going to live in hardship because I give ten bucks a week to this guy. And I, I pray that this week you'll find people like that, that there'll be people that you'll be able to help and it won't be a burden to you. But gosh, is it a blessing to him? I mean, he carries on. I get, so, yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's kind of obnoxious. Thank you. I mean, yeah, I won't take it, but sometimes it's embarrassing. But I get to watch him get out of the trash can and go into Jimmy John's and get a sandwich and that is worth it right there. So let's pray. Lord, do it. Give us opportunity. Open our eyes that we would see people in need that are poor, that we can help out. And thank you so much, Lord, for giving to us that you have given us such abundance that um, just, I mean, just speaking for myself that I can give this guy 10 bucks a week and it doesn't, I, I, we don't even see, it doesn't phase our budget at all. Thank you so much, Lord. Thank you for the way that you provide for all of our needs and thank you for the way that you let us be a way to provide for other people's needs that they would be cared for too. Bless our government. I pray that all of the holy and righteous Christian people in our government would be filled with boldness and filled with wisdom and insight to lead our country better. And I pray That you would just work in us, in our streets, in our corners, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our businesses. That we would be able to show off your love for this world, Jesus. We thank you, we exalt you, and we praise you. Amen.